Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. But let me get to know some of you real quick. How many of you, because I just want to see if we have things in common, right? Um, How many of you are really into knitting? Anybody? Knitters? Knitting? No? Me either. All right, cool. So um, no one rose their hand in the first service either. So um, here's what's cool about knitting. Right, my grandma was raised by my grandparents. Uh, my grandma was really into knitting. Here's the cool thing, right? I remember watching her start with a single thread, right? And wondering, Grandma, what in the world are you doing? Her hands were moving, right? I saw things happening. I had no idea what she was doing until the very end where you would see that one little thread turn into, I don't know, uh, a beanie or like a scarf or something, right? Whatever you knit, right? There it is, right? It's, it was from one little thread and, and, and just moving into a blanket or something. But in the beginning, that one little thread doesn't look like it's very important, right? It's just a piece of thread, right? It's, it's not a big deal until you realize that the whole time that thread was actually leading to something big, something awesome, something really um, useful, Right now, here's the deal with the Bible. Some of you, I know you grew up in the church, and some of you, you're just getting started in this. The Bible is not just a book full of stories. It's not just a, an organized thing that you just open and, and there it is. It's God's active word. It's alive. It's 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 God's word to us. And all throughout scripture, you're not just reading chapters and verses. Man, there are threads woven into it that's pointing you to a bigger picture. But if you just skim through, you you miss those threads, right? You miss what God is actually trying to do. And in those threads, I'm just give you a little, um, um, I don't know, spoiler alert, right? They all point to Jesus. And so today we're going to look at Jeremiah 23. You can find yourself there. But in Jeremiah 23, we see God screaming through um, the prophet Jeremiah this awesome thread that might seem insignificant, but man, points us to the bigger picture of the work that God is doing in our broken word, our broken world. And so today, I want us to see this thread and what does it mean for them? What does this thread point us to? And then how do we apply to it? So before we do that, let's practice prayer, right? Prayer is a habit that we have to practice and get to get better at, right? Prayer is just simply us communicating to God. And so once you close your eyes and uh, let's just practice prayer. So for the next moment, why don't you just practice praying and asking or just telling God how awesome he is for the blessings he's given you, for the things he's done in your life. Just, just praise God in prayer for this next moment. For the next moment, whatever it is that just you can't get out of your mind, the, the struggle or the question or the thing you're worried about, why don't you just offer that to the Lord and say, Lord, here it is. Just take this from me so that I can focus on your word.
lastly, won't you pray and ask God to, to help the person on the left, on the right, the people in this room, yourself. God, help us to hear your word, but respond to it. God, you are so good. You're so big and awesome, and, and uh, you just provide, and, and you just, um, you're just good. And so, God, I pray that this morning that uh, whatever we all have going on, we all have something going on that um, is, is in our mind or on our hearts. God, I pray that we would surrender that to you right now, not try to pretend it's not there, but just offer it up to you. And God, help us to um, focus in on your word. Help us to see what it is that you are saying in, the, in, in Jeremiah 23. And, and help us to not just hear this word, but to apply it to our lives and live it out, to put our faith and trust in you, God. Um, Lord, I pray that you use this moment in a big way, and everybody said, <clears throat> amen, amen. All right, let me give you a little bit of context before we jump into our uh, passage for the day. So Jeremiah 23, we're going to see a lot of shepherd talk, right? Shepherds, shepherding, and mainly bad shepherds, so wicked, evil, um, not your good shepherd, right? And when you hear that word shepherd, yes, it's talking about literal shepherds, like people who shepherd animals, right? And, and they have a flock and stuff like that, but at the same time, I want you to be thinking God is using this as a metaphor for leaders, right? For the leaders that he has established to lead his people. So when you hear shepherd, there's real shepherds, but there's also the leaders. And all throughout Jeremiah, God is showing us this thread, right? Where he's telling his people, hey, listen, I will provide for you good shepherds, good leaders. Matter of fact, um, you know, it'll be on the screen, but in Jeremiah 3, we see the thread kind of start. Jeremiah 3.15, he says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So God has this plan to provide for his people, those who love him and, and follow him and, and care about God, has a plan to give them leadership that will point them to God and keep them focused on God and provide for them. Right? And it's a good plan. It's a good strategy, right? It's, this is what God cares. Like, he cares about his people, so here is the system. But over time, what we see is those good shepherds who are, whose job was to love, care, provide, and protect, they, over time, became bad shepherds and eventually misleading God's people, not towards God, but towards idolatry, towards literally isolation out in the desert, right? Towards judgment and not towards righteousness. How do we know that? A couple verse, or chapters later in Jeremiah 10, 15, it'll be on the screen. This is what God says about his shepherds, all right? They started out good. Here's what 10, 21 says. For the shepherds are stupid. <laughs> it's pretty aggressive, right? They are stupid. They don't seek the Lord. They have not prospered, and their whole flock is scattered. Say scattered. That's a huge theme that you want to see, but how do we go from seven chapters later, God is not being pleased with how these shepherds are leading his people. They're, mis they're being mistreated. They're not being cared for. They're not prospering, and they're all scattered. And so even in that thread where we see, here's the, here's the leaders I'm going to establish for you, they turn, they're now wicked, mistreating people. For, for the people hearing that, it could lead to like having no more hope in God. But here's what he does in, in chapter 17, verse 16. He says this, But I have not run away from being your shepherd, and I have not longed for the fatal day. You know my words were spoken in your presence. 
In other words, from, from chapter 3 until where we get today in 23, God had this design for his people to have leaders who would, who would lead them to the promised land, who would love and care and shepherd them like a good shepherd would do. But that really wasn't the reality that they were seeing. That, that wasn't the reality, that that wasn't what was actually happening for them. Where they looked out into the world, they looked at their own lives, and they say, God, we hear your words that have been spoken. Why then do I feel like I'm alone? Why then do I feel like I'm scattered? You promised we would live free. You promised we would live blessed. You would promise that we'd be prosperous. But all I see in the land is evil. And so if we were to be real, right, if we were to just be real in the church, many of us have experienced that before, right? That we, we've heard God's word, that he is our good shepherd, right? The Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want, but then we get into a situation in life where we feel like, man, God doesn't even hear me. Right? I'm praying for this thing, and I've been praying for it, and I feel like God doesn't even hear my prayers, or God, you promised me that this would be good, and look at my life. Nothing is lining up like I thought it would line up. And so for some of us, if we were being real, hearing the promise of Scripture, but then looking at reality and what's happening in front of me, sometimes those things don't line up. And what happens is that begins to make us doubt and question who God is and the things that he has said. If we were just being real, many of us have experienced that. Now, I've been doing ministry long enough to know that in a room with this many people in it, <clears throat> some of you, man, you feel closer to God right now than you ever have in your life. And man, praise God for that, right? Like, thank God, like, I'm, I'm happy for you, right? And I just pray that God blesses that season and he just keeps building your faith. But some of you, I know that you're in here and, and you love Jesus and you have a relationship and, and, you, and you want to live this thing out, but man, you feel like you and God are like on different, just this different planes, like, like God is far from you. That all these things are happening and you're just like, man, if God is good, why are these things happening? You have that question. And, and, and still in the same room, some of you, you're on the fence whether you believe this or not. You've heard the stories, you, you've heard the sermons, you know the worship songs, but there's something that's just like, I, I don't know, and it's stopping you from going all in with Jesus. Here's what I want to offer you today. That God is good. Bad things happen. Bad things are happening all over the place. And the question isn't, if God is good, why do bad things happen? The real question is, and what we're going to get into Bad things are happening. What is the good shepherd doing about it? What is God actually doing about the things that are happening around me in this world, in my life? And so here's what I want you to see. We got, we got to look at these bad shepherds, right, to, to kind of get our minds in, the, in, in what's happening, and then we'll see what God is doing. So Jeremiah 23, verse 1 and 2, this is what's going on. Um, God says through the prophet Jeremiah, woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Now that word woe, that's like aggressive, all right? How many of you grew up getting your butt whooped by grandparents, mom or daddy? How many of you got spankings growing up? Raise your hand for me, all right? <clears throat> Some of you didn't, and it, see, it shows, right? Like we, we should bring that back, right? But that word woe is like a warning shot, like it's about to go down. Matter of fact, y'all remember when you heard daddy's belt, right? Sliding through those loops, right? Like you knew 
you've gone too far, right? Like the, that was the warning shot. God says, whoa, do, 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 to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep. Therefore, verse two, therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says about the shepherds who tend to my people. You have scattered my flock, banished them and have not attended to them. I'm about to attend to you because of your evil acts. This is the Lord's declaration. So what is God doing? Like, listen, if, you, if you've read the Bible, you know God does not mess around when it comes to his people, right? God's family, he does not mess around. And, and when you read the scripture, God uses the example of shepherds. All, it's, it is all over the place in the Bible. Why? Because they were all over the place in the Bible, right? That culture, there were shepherds everywhere. That's like going to Conway and seeing roundabout construction workers roundabouting, right? Like, it's, they're just everywhere, and so this was the example that God was using. He's showing them, listen, you shepherds, right? You are not doing what shepherds are supposed to be doing. What do good shepherds do? Man, they tend to their sheep, right? They, they protected them. They, they led them to good water and to, to green grass and, and places to rest and, and, and kept them together. Why? Because the sheep were valuable to them, right? They, they cared about them. And what did the shepherds know about the sheep, right? Bailey got to preach on Psalm 23 a few weeks ago. If you were here, man, it was a great sermon that he did. But what do we know about the sheep, right? They're, they're, they're not, they're not um, uh, as dumb as we give them credit for. Like, they're, they're pretty intelligent sheep. Matter of fact, sheep know that if they are in the flock, they're in the herd, the family, that they're good. So as long as I stay here, in the family with this good shepherd, and I hear his voice and I follow him, he will lead me, he will protect me, he will guide me. The shepherds knew that, the sheep knew that. But just like if I have a three-year-old and a six-month-old, my three-year-old, if you don't like constantly keep an ear and like an eye on her, I don't know about you, but like she's gone. And the house gets quiet and it's like super peaceful and then you like snap out of it, like wait a minute, what is happening, right? Anybody, am I alone in that? right? If the house is quiet for like 30 seconds, that's like something's bad is about to happen, right? For the same thing, the shepherds knew, man, if I can keep my sheep together, if I can protect them and keep them gathered in the family, we're good. But what do sheep do, man? They're prone to wander. And as soon as they leave the flock, as soon as they leave and are scattered into isolation, it's like their brains shut off. They can't find water. They eat grass, but all of a sudden they're like, oh, where's the grass at? And then they're not on the top of the food chain, and so now they're, they're open, easy picking for the prey. And so for the job of the shepherd, is like, let me keep these sheep together. Let me keep them together, and I'll protect them, and I'll nurture them, and, and it'll all be good. Right? That's a good shepherd. That's their mindset. But God is calling out bad shepherds. What do they do? Man, they don't care. They only care about themselves. They don't, they don't, um, um, they don't protect them. They protect themselves. They, 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 they don't, they're not attentive to the sheep, right? They're the distracted parent who believes the peaceful quiet and then something sets on fire, right? That's them. They, they don't care. They let the sheep scatter away. But this is just the metaphor, right, that God's using. We see it all through the Bible, and I think one of the biggest ones that we see, the most famous, like, sheep metaphor that even if you're not a believer, you know is watch out for wolves dressed in what? Sheep's clothing, right? That's, everyone knows that. In other words, watch out for people who say they are this and, and, and do this, and man, they're not really that way, or really, they don't do that thing. You gotta watch out for them. So, so what God is doing, this thread that we are seeing is he's calling these bad shepherds out. And listen, 
He says, I am about to attend to you. You're not taking care of my people. You're not keeping them in the family. You're letting them get scattered. Matter of fact, you are leading them to judgment and God is saying, I am about to respond. So even if right now in your life, you feel like there's all these things happening, you've been praying for, and God, where are you? You're not showing up. You're not doing what you said you're going to do. I promise you from scripture, from God's mouth, he is at work. Even if you don't feel it, even if you don't see it, God always works on the behalf of those who love and follow him. So even if it feels like you're far from God, he is there and he is going to respond. He loves you. How do we know that? Look at verse two, one more time, all the way down to four. He says, therefore, the God of Israel says to this shepherd who tended my people, you have scattered my flock, banished them, have not attended to them. I am about to attend to you because of your evil acts. Verse three, I will gather the remnant of my flock from all the lands where I have banished them and I will return them to their grazing land. They will be fruitful and numerous. I will raise up shepherds over them who will attend to them. They will no longer be afraid or discouraged, nor will any be missing. This is the Lord's declaration. So not only does God say, I will attend, I will handle the bad shepherds, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but he says, I'm actually going to care for my flock, for my people. How? I'm going to gather them back to myself. Bad shepherds scatter, he brings them in. Bad shepherds let them go out into the evil world in isolation. Good shepherds say, no, no, I will bring them back to myself. God uses this word that you never hear. I like to use the phrase Christ, uh, Christianese, right? We, we say all these Christian words that are never spoken outside of like their church walls, right? Like remnant, who says that out there, right? Like no one says remnant out in the wild, right? Uh, but remnant, what is that? It's a small group of people. And we see throughout all the scripture, God is, is talking to, he talks about a remnant, a remnant of people, right? One, one thing that um, I read in a commentary really broke it down like this. In the beginning, right, Adam and Eve had a bunch of babies. They multiplied, right? And God's like, listen, all things are good. We just, you know, stay focused on me. What happens? They didn't focus on God. They sinned. Sin enters the picture. Everything's messed up, Right? And then all of a sudden, all of the kids of Adam and Eve, there's just evil in the world. God looks out and goes, man, this is bad. I shouldn't have done this. But there's a small group of people, Noah and his family, a little remnant who still love me and are still faithful to me. So I'm going to gather them in. I'm going to protect them. And then I'm going to handle the sin in this world. Right? And we know the flood happens. Right? You would think that they would get off the boat and go, listen, God, hey, we appreciate you saving us. We're going to be faithful. We're going to multiply. We're going to follow after you for, for all of our family's history. We know that's not the case, right? They, they become rebellious. They become sinful. And once again, God has to bring in a remnant of the world that is this hell-bent on, on disobedient. He finds a remnant through Abraham, makes a covenant with him, and says, listen, if you are faithful to me, I'll be faithful to you. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. Just follow me. I will multiply you. I will, your family will see the promised land. He makes a promise to Abraham. 
And so God establishes this, this group of people within the human race, and they thrive for years and generations under good leaders and good kings, and then, um, you know, eventually gets under the King David, who a shepherd boy turned king, and, and, and did he mess up? Yes, but man, he was, he was good. And then all of a sudden, um, things go really bad until we get to the point in Jeremiah where there's evil kings and evil shepherds leading people of God towards evil things. But he says right here, I made a promise. I will gather the small remnant, the people who love me and follow me, even though the rest of the world is broken and evil. I'll deal with that later, but I'm going to bring in those who are faithful followers to me, and I will be their shepherd. So here, here's what he promises to them. I will let you be fruitful and multiply. That is the promised being answered to Abraham generations before. That they would have land. They would be nurtured. They would have a home. They would have a family. They would grow. And then God says, listen, I will, I will give you a good leader. Just stay faithful to me. Now, fast forward to Jeremiah, right? And, and what we're seeing, right? Jeremiah's time, eventually this remnant, this small group of people would enter the promised land. But here's the deal, right? They, the people in that time, they were standing there going, God, we know the promises you've made to our ancestors. And for them, they don't know this, but we know. But you're going to answer it then. What about us right here, right now? Because the promise is cute that we get to be fruitful and multiply, but our reality is not. Like our reality is chaos and darkness and evilness. And so we hear the promise, you say you're gonna fulfill it, but what about here and now? I mean, doesn't, I mean we're, not, we're not sheep out in the desert, but man, doesn't that sound familiar to us? Where Jesus promises, hey, I will save you from your sin. We have salvation and one day I will return and make all things right. And that's cute, the promise is awesome, but what about right now where we look into the world and it is broken and it's chaotic and it's evil and I can't even let my child watch YouTube without wondering what the heck is it gonna teach her? So like the promises, man, they're awesome. But what happens when reality isn't showing me that God is actually doing the thing he promised he would do. If you're with me, say I'm with you. So what we have to understand is, yes, the promise is awesome, but the thread that's in the middle of this story, it's pointing to a bigger promise. And, and, and the shepherds, even though they're wicked, he's pointing, God is pointing them that there is an ultimate fulfillment, an ultimate leader, an ultimate shepherd, that when he steps in, it changes everything. Look at the next couple of verses, Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. He says this, Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will raise up a righteous branch for David, he will reign wisely as king and administer justice and righteousness in the land. In this day, Judah will be saved. Israel will dwell securely. This is the name that he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. What were the bad shepherds doing? Man, they were scattering, destroying the sheep. And what does God do? He responds. And what is his response? I'm bringing the ultimate shepherd. I'm bringing the good shepherd. This thread that God is screaming through his word is pointing us straight to Jesus Christ. It's just screaming, Jesus is coming. Hang on. 
The world is broken. I'm doing something. Jesus is on his way. Hang on. I, I found in a commentary um, that says that in Ezekiel 34, there's like a, a parallel to this, right? Where God is screaming the same thing about wicked shepherds in Ezekiel 34. And this is what he says there. I will establish them over them one shepherd through my servant David. He will shepherd them. He will tend them to himself and, and will be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant through David will be the prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. And so if you were here a few weeks ago when Bailey got to preach on Psalm 23, who did a great job, go listen to that if you haven't heard it yet. It's a great sermon. He did a great job. But he got to preach on Psalm 23, which is from King David. What do we know about him? Boy was a little shepherd boy, right? He was a good shepherd, right? How do we know that? We know from the Bible he fought lions, he fought bears, right? I'm sure there was a tiger, oh my, right? I'm sure all that happened, right? He was a good shepherd. He cared, he protected, and, and that kind of raised him through the ranks. God is blessing his life where he went from shepherd to king, and he was a great king, right? We know that. Did he mess up? For sure, right? He, he had sin in his life, but he was a good shepherd, turned into a good king, but even as a good shepherd and even as a good king, we get to Psalm 23 where he admits to, to himself, to the Lord, to everyone who has ever read Psalm 23, as good as a shepherd and king as he was, he still needed to have a good shepherd over his life. Right? He still needed a good shepherd. He starts it off by, the Lord is my shepherd, I what? I shall not want. In other words, like, as awesome as David was he needed someone bigger than himself. And listen, I don't know you, all right? You don't know me, really. I would love to get to know you. Come hang out in the college ministry. That'd be awesome. Um, you're awesome, right? I think you're awesome. But can we be real for a second? Say yes. You're not that awesome. <laughs> like, we're not. Like, like, if we are our own shepherd, Right? If we don't realize that we're the sheep and not the shepherd, if, we don't, if we're trying to make ourselves our own shepherd and our own God, listen to me, as awesome as you are, and I believe that you are, you make a crappy God. You do. We need a good shepherd. We need someone that will lead us when we're prone to wander. We just sang that, right? Right? Like when we are prone to wander as sheep do towards darkness, towards evil, towards, oh man, maybe that water is better. When we prone to wander, we need a good shepherd to bring us back into the family, back to our shepherd where we are truly safe, where we have our needs truly met. If you're with me, say I'm with you. So all what David is doing, what Jeremiah is doing, this thread that's being woven all throughout Scripture is just pointing to the fact there, there's, there's bad, there's evil, bad things are happening. God is good, and he's responding. What is he doing? He is pointing us to Jesus Christ, who when he enters the picture, everything changes. Where there was nothing but darkness and no hope, Jesus is born, and now there's light in the world. That the God of the universe left his throne, put on flesh, dwelt among us so that we can see from John 1, 14, the glory of God. That we have a shepherd who doesn't try to say, hey, don't go over there from a distance, walks with us through the hard times, through the valley, through the darkness. 
that when we put our faith and trust through repentance and surrender in him, when we make him the Lord of our life, not only do we have a promise of salvation, he is with us always. And he's always working. While there's no good shepherds in the days of Jeremiah who who didn't protect, who didn't care, who scattered sheep out in isolation, Jesus, the ultimate shepherd, steps in and begins gathering his people to himself. It's not going to be on the screen, but Jesus gives this really good illustration in Luke 15. I want to read it to you. This is what he says in Luke 15. He said, uh, in verse 3, he told him this parable. Jesus said, What man among you who has a hundred sheep loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder, and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who doesn't need repentance. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, what is God doing? He is sending me. I am your good shepherd. That's what he says in John constantly. I am the good shepherd. And not just a good shepherd he, who, who just steps in and goes, hey, won't you come over here? He comes and gets us. He leaves the 99 to go get us when we go out into the pasture thinking we know what's better for us. When we feel like we have gone too far, that there's, there's so many things that I've done in my life, I've gone too far, that God wouldn't love me or forgive me. Jesus runs after us and goes, no, no, get on my back. I'm taking you back to the family because you can never go too far. That you can't be loved and forgiven through the grace of Jesus Christ. And you don't have to earn your way. Listen to me. You don't have to earn your way into the family of God, into the flock. You don't have to earn your way. Jesus didn't tell that sheep, dude, what the heck are you doing out here? Get back over there, right? I do that to my daughter. What are you doing, right? Jesus goes, finds the lost sheep, puts him on his back, and he carries them back to the family. Sheep didn't earn it or deserve it, but the good shepherd gave it. If you're with me, say I'm with you. How can he do that? He is from Jeremiah, the righteous branch of David. We know that Jesus is from the family tree of David and that word righteous, right? I I read in a commentary, I, I didn't even want to butcher, I just wrote it down, this is what it says. Jesus being the righteous branch is in direct contrast to the leaders who would not bring righteousness to the people or to the land. Jesus comes establishing righteousness and establishing salvation through the cross. And when he ultimately returns from heaven, he will rule the world, bringing right judgment to those who are wicked and rebellious. And as Revelation 19.11 says, he will rage war in righteousness. So what is Jesus doing? Like, what is God's plan? There's evil in the world, right? If God is so good, what is he doing about all these bad things? Here's what he's doing. He's establishing salvation. He's establishing righteousness through his son, Jesus Christ, who didn't just walk away from danger, laid down his life to redeem us from our own sin. And one day he promises he will come back and all the evil in the world and everything that sin has broken, he will make right. There will not be one evil thing done that won't be held in judgment by the good, righteous King Jesus. There's not. 
He is at work. He's loving and gathering his sheep. And one day will rage righteous war on evil. Jeremiah 23, 7 through 8. This is the last little part of our, our scripture today. God says this, Look, the days are coming when it will no longer be said, As the Lord lives who brought the Israelites from the land of Egypt. Y'all remember that story, right? The exodus, and, right? And God's people were being mistreated under Pharaoh, and God freed them through the Red Sea, and it was like this massive celebration, and it was awesome. That was a story that really happened, and, and the people in Jeremiah's day, they would hold on to that story. Man, God freed them before. He's done it before. He, he promised, and he freed them from, from, from he, and the exodus happened. Like, it, they, they hold on to that promise, right? But this is what God said, that promise, right? The exodus and how he did that, man, that's awesome. But look at verse 8. But as the Lord lives, who brought and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the land of the north and from all over the countries where I banished them, they will dwell once more in their land. In other words, what God is trying to show them, listen, what I've done before, I'm going to do again. If you saw me work there before, trust me that I am working now. That the promise that I give to you, I have proven before, I follow through. Trust in me, hang in there. I'm sending the ultimate shepherd who will gather his sheep and establish righteousness and, and, and righteous judgment to the world. Hang on, the good shepherd is coming. And so I'm going to have um, the worship team come up. What, like, what does this mean for us? Like, what does it mean for us where we stand in the middle of a promise that God has fulfilled before? He's promised that he's still working. There's a promise to be had where we're saved. We accept Jesus, but we know one day he's coming. But as we wait for that coming, when we wait for that promise, what do we do right here, right now, when we feel like, we are just scattered sheep, that there's so much evil and brokenness happening around us. And the question keeps popping up, if God is so good, why are these things happening to me? What do we do as we stand between a promise and we're waiting for the ultimate shepherd to return, gather us home, and then establish judgment to the evil of this world? In other words, what do I do when I have faith in God, but my life doesn't look like the way I thought it was going to look? I love Jesus, and I hear his words, but what do I do? Like, I, I, I'm struggling with this mental health thing. I got this family issue going on. My job is this, and, and my neighborhood, and, and the world, everything just looks crazy. What do I do? I love Jesus, but I feel like he doesn't care. And listen, like I said, I don't know where you are this morning. I'm glad that you're here. I just don't know where you're at. And maybe that is where you're at. You love Jesus, but there's something going on that's, that's bringing in this, this doubt or this fear. What do you do? Your response isn't to try to pretend, you know, and just put on a mask right? Everything's okay. God's in control, right? And you just quote the cute Christian Bible verses that are on coffee mugs, right? Those are cute, but like, don't, don't put on a fake mask. What do you do? You run 
to your shepherd and you offer up to him, Jesus, here's, here's my, my fear, my doubts, my questions. Jesus, you say you're my good shepherd. I just don't feel like that you care. So here's what it is. Here's the struggle. Here's the thing. It's yours. Now help me have faith in you. Because here's the temptation. The temptation that I struggle with, that I'm, if you were honest, you struggle with the same. That when, when the promise is said by God and we're waiting for the fulfillment of Jesus to come back, when we look at scripture and we say, okay, I love Jesus, but why doesn't my life look a certain way? Our temptation as sheep is to run a different direction and maybe there's greener grass on that side. That we try to become the shepherd and not the sheep. Where we try to take matters into our own hands and go, God, I don't feel like you care, so I'm going to fix this. I've been praying for this. You haven't answered, so I'll, I will make it happen. And listen to me. If you fall into that trap, you're going to find yourself exhausted because you were not meant to do life on your own terms in isolation, and you're not strong enough to make life happen. You are just like King David. You need a good shepherd. The world is trying to scream and yell at you and tell you this is what you actually need. And church family, listen, the world can offer you the brightest, shiniest looking, beautiful thing and say, here it is. This is what you actually need. You don't feel like God listens. Here's what you need. And listen, that bright, shiny thing, Jesus is better than that thing. Jesus is better than the best thing this world can offer you, but the world is screaming, you need something else. Don't believe the lie. Remain faithful to your good shepherd. Trust that even if you don't see it, he is working and he is gathering and one day all things will be made right. Just have faith. Hang in there. Lean into the flock. Lean into the family. That's why God gave you the church family. So I, maybe that's you. Maybe there's something that that this, this, that you're not running to, the, to Jesus with, man, run to him. Or maybe you're in here and you're like, listen, this is cool. I just don't know where I stand with God, right? You, you might feel like the one sheep that, that went astray. You might have these feelings, I don't deserve to be near the good shepherd. I don't deserve to be in the, in the family of God. I don't, I don't deserve it because of, of who I am. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to earn your way into God's family. You're trying to earn your way into right standing with God. So you do good deeds and, and you come to church and, and you learn the Bible verses and you know when to raise your hand during a song. All those things are really cool things, but those things don't make you in right standing with the good heavenly father. The only thing that can keep you and bring you into right standing with God is salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for you. And how does that take place? Through repentance and surrender. You saying, I know who I am. I am a sinner in need of a savior. Jesus, I believe in you. Here's my life. You're the Lord, the savior, the boss of my life. Your will be done, not mine. Jesus, I'm yours. And when you believe in your heart and confess with the mouth that Jesus, Lord, you will be saved. It's not about a church game. It's not about attendance. It's not about worship songs. It's not about Bible verses memorized. Those things are awesome and God cares about them, but you have to have a relationship with Jesus. And so if you're in this, this church game where you're just going back and forth and you're just trying to earn your way in, Jesus, look at the example, he went to get the one. And you know that one was dirty, man. He'd been wandering. He left. 
He didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve for the shepherd to leave the family to go get the one, but he did. So come to Jesus with your baggage, with your doubts. Listen to me, your fears, your questions. Come to him, surrender to the good shepherd, and trust that he loves you. Meet the good shepherd who proves who he is by laying his life down and knowing that one day he's coming back. And this world is not our home. We're just passing through. We will gather with him and we will be in his presence for all eternity. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.